Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And tomorrow and all that information, just be ready to go. Uh, please get Mr. Kevin Smith on the phone. Uh, I, w- I would like to we, need to, we need to learn jazz versions of our songs so that if Ronnie D is sitting at the piano playing... We can go over there and jam with them. Yeah, I think you know, we can do that. It won't be too loud. Jazz version of uh, You Give Love a Bad Name. Shot through the heart. Mm-hmm. Bum, bum. Yeah, we'll be fine there. Uh, tomorrow is Friday on this program, and that's all it is. We have nothing tomorrow. Friday. Oh, okay. Friday. Yeah. Oh. But we jam-packed everything today, Right. And we've got nothing tomorrow. I was talking to Spanish. It's so weird how that happens sometimes where... You can't get, like, anybody, and then everyone must do it all one time. It's well, like everything comes together at once. We had Ryan Callahan scheduled, and we had Kevin Smith scheduled, and then uh, the late uh, edition of O.J. Howard. You, you love that. Yeah, you that was just afternoon. That up. Uh, let's go to the hotline and welcome back our friend. This is Kevin Smith. Kevin, how are you, buddy? Why, good morning, Mike. How are you? I feel bad. I feel like you're not a morning guy. I feel like I'm waking you up. No, generally I do wake up like every morning between, I would say, 5 and 7 because I'm a wake-and baker. And there comes oh. to a time when I'm laying in bed and I'm like, why are you sleeping when you could be smoking weed? So I, th- I get up pretty early. I think I'm smoking the wrong weed because the weed that I would smoke would make me want to stay in bed and just think about life. That's like an indica or a hybrid. I go sativa and that's kind of a nice wake-up weed and stuff. So I'm crisp and alert and ready for you guys, even though I went to sleep at like 2 in the morning. I was watching The Boys, the Amazon show. It's oh, so friggin' incredible. Yeah, it's great. It is incredible. How much it's money... So well done. How much money did that cost? It's so every episode is like watching a movie. It really... It, I was thinking that last night. So That's so keen you pointed that out. I was sitting there going like, good Lord, this is expensive looking. I mean, even <laughs> for like a per episode basis. And granted, it's about superheroes. So, of course, you know, there's going to be some CG, but you're right. It is kind of like a mini feature each time, but it's Amazon, so I'm sure they had all the money to make. Do you think Cal Urban would be a great replacement for Hugh Jackman as Wolverine? Yes, absolutely. Well, right now, Carl Urban in The Boys would be a great replacement for Hugh Jackman as Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's coming across kind of just like him and whatnot. Yeah, I guess but that's Yeah, I was up late, late watching that. I, I just couldn't stop. Like, I was like, you know, go to bed, go to bed. But then I was like, one more episode. I was Games of Thrones in it, man. Yeah. Binging that. Yeah, I, I did the same thing. I, I love that. This is uh, Kevin Smith. We have so many things to talk to you about. So. Uh, when you were last on the air with us, we pressured you it pressured you into putting us in the new movie, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Yes, the boys, the boys came out. Well, the boys came out. Yeah. It, it was supposed to be like Mike and the boys. Right. There was an emergency or something. So here's how it goes, okay? So we, we pressure you into it on the air, and you say yes, and you act like you really like to do it, and then secretly you're like, Jesus Christ, another bunch of yahoos are going <laughs> to stick in my movie now. But we were very excited about it. And uh, and then we were like in touch with your people, and yep, yep. they were you know they're planning a movie. They don't we're not really their priority. So they were like, uh, okay, we'll let you know what's happening. Meanwhile, it turned out it was the same time my kids had spring break, so we weren't sure what was happening, if it was happening, if it wasn't happening. And I finally I was like, hey, 
I got to go on spring break with my family. If anything changes, let me know. And then when we did get word, I was already invested into spring break. The kids were all excited, and we couldn't, and I couldn't go. So then the dilemma, no beca- then the dilemma became: Do these guys still go? And they were. I, I go. Listen, he's expecting you to go. He's probably not even going to notice whether or not you're there. Go, and if you get in, cool. If not, you went to New Orleans. It's a good time. I've never seen three adult men crap their pants more than these three did. They thought that they were going to get there. I wasn't going to be there, and you were going to be like, ban them from the set, kick them out. Yeah, it was like without without Mike. What's the point? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's why I didn't go. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, turn it around. Oh, I felt I felt horrible, especially when they told me that they went and they had such a great time, and they were they were you know shot in the movie, and you came over and talked to them, and then I felt like a dick that I wasn't there. And these guys were like, we no. ruined our one friend in Hollywood. <laughs> not, and, and not in the least. Family first. And I was happy that the, the boys even showed up uh, to body up that room and stuff. Anytime you point a camera in a direction in that room, it looks like there were more people there than we had. So, you know, those bodies made an absolute difference, even though you weren't one of those bodies. But I, I wasn't like, uh, oh, my Lord, uh, now I tear my shirt at you. Like, <laughs> thought, not at all. There, uh, was, uh, there was a point you're when... Not the first, you're not the first person who dodged a bullet by not being in a, <laughs> a bunch of people. So it was like a 15-hour, a full 15-hour shoot that day. And when we first got there, Kevin walked in the room, and we were nervous. We were like, oh, man, here's the moment we've been anticipating. He's going to look over, right. see that Mike is not there, and then we're screwed. Who are these jerks? And at one point, Kevin walked in, and clearly busy, because he's getting ready to shoot the damn movie, and he looked over and went, hey, guys, and kept going. And Joe starts egging me. I was like, dude, he knows. He doesn't see Mike. It's over. They're going to kick us out any minute, and then I'm freaking out. All we talked about that day can you believe they had the nerve to show up without their leader? Why would they do that? Oh, and they drove there. Yeah. I would have flew there. It was blast. It was I so remember, much fun. I remember that day too. You were right. It was a fifteen-hour day because we tried to get like all of the con stuff done like in that day. Everything that was in, in that room. So we went long. Normally, it's like a twelve-hour day. Jeez. But to get everything, we went into like overtime. All, all the people who are extras, all the vendors who set up booths and stuff like that they were so kind and, and it's so nice to like hey it was fun and interesting but i, I don't know at a certain point <laughs> uh, people say that about the movie biz but like at a certain point it's, it's not fun and interesting it's repetitive and stupid when so we went when we went down that. to see you in sarasota it was really enjoyable to see first of all we had you then we had jericho and then uh, the crew and to watch how you film and to make the scenes it was really interesting and then after the second or third hour of being dive bombed by mosquitoes i was like all right i gotta go this is, inc- this is ridiculous. oh yeah yeah people always like you know they're like hey can i come to the set and i'm like oh yeah but just like make sure you got something to do after about two hours because you're gonna <laughs> get bored and they're like no way man but then always inevitably People visit, and then, like, after about two hours, like, where are you going? Because it is very repetitive. It's yeah. like, wait, didn't they say that? You know, like, yeah, we're going to do it again until they say it right. And like, oh, my Lord. How but hard- um, your folks were so good. Nobody complained uh, the whole time. There was not, like, you know, I, I never got a report where I'm like, the Floridian boys want something else. <laughs> <laughs> do you think they made the movie? Did they make the final cut? Yeah, you're deep in the background, but I saw you guys. All right, I'll take it. That's great. As the guy who cut the movie, I, I was responsible for that sort of thing. So oh, I tried man. to make sure that everyone... 
I'll happened? make sure I get them into the cut. All right, good. That's good. Uh, Kevin Smith joined us. Jay and Silent Bob, the reboot. When does this come out now? We're very excited about this. We are uh, touring the movie. Uh, it comes out like, we look, we had enough money to make the movie, but we don't have a lot of money to release the movie. That's uh-huh. always the more expensive proposition, uh, particularly in our world, because you can make a movie like this for like 10 million bucks, but you can't release a movie like this into mainstream theaters for for that cost. Like it, it, basically you wind up paying about like, for example, Good Boys just came out. The, the movie that was number one last week. Right. I don't know what their budget was, but Universal easily spent uh, $20, 25000000 million opening the movie, just letting you know where it is, Jeez. like, when, when, you know, commercials and stuff like that. So we don't have that kind of luxury, like, where, you know, I was lucky enough to get the money for the movie in the first place because we're talking about a sequel to a 17-, 18-year-old movie at this point. So we were happy to get the loot. It, it would seem weird to them be like, Oh, can you give us money to release the movie as well? Now, I I can release a movie like without spending that much money. We've done it before when we toured Red State, and we toured Jane Silent Bob's Super Groovy Cartoon Movie. So with this, we always knew there'd be a tour component because I love that. That's my favorite part. Usually, you make a movie, or back in the day, I'd make a movie, and you know, you you take it to market, and and then you spend a lot of money to open it, and then you hope it works out well. And most movies get like a month of life at the movie theater and stuff. This is after you spend years of your life trying to put this story together. And then all of a sudden it's kind of sometimes it's over in a weekend. So with touring it, I can extend the life of the movie as long as I want. So like we're touring the movie like all fall from October to the end of December. And then we tour it again from uh, January to March. Now, some people are like, hey, man, I can't go to anything on tour. Like, I don't, I don't live near a big city. That's totally fine. October 15th and 17th, we're doing sneak preview screenings with Fathom Events. So any multiplex near you that does those Fathom Events, you just walk in and watch the movie like a normal person. And oh, stuff that's like cool. That. Then we take the movie out on the road, Jay, Jay and I, starting October 19th, in New Jersey, and we start the Jay and Silent Bob Reboot Roadshow, um, where we watch the movie. We come out, intro the flick, then we watch the flick with you, and then afterwards we all sit around and, and do Q&A and stuff. So we come to Tampa um, right after Orlando. Orlando is November 13th, and then Tampa is November 14th at the Tampa Theater. And when we were booking the tour, like I remember doing the dates, and Jordan, who's Jay's wife, who runs our company, you know, she was like, Orlando. I was like, of course, because that's the first place we ever took a Jay and Silent Bob podcast, like, live right. uh, outside of here in California. So then she was like, Tampa Theater. And I was like, why would we do that? She says 1,200 seats. I was like, that's too close to Orlando. I, I think we should be fine with just an Orlando screening. Anyone from Tampa could just go to Orlando. And Jordan was like, no, she's going, last time we went to Tampa, you did really well. And I was like, I don't know. I think they're going to eat each other. The two markets will compete. As it turns out, they do not. We're almost yeah. completely sold out. I was going to say, thank God, she's, sold out thank God she's smart, because I love you more <laughs> than most people, and I'm not driving to Orlando to see it. Um, yeah, thank you. Good for that. I like that kind of honesty, Mike. Uh, you're not a guy who even drives to New Orleans to see me. For heaven's sake, yeah. As you've just proven. He's like, but, I wouldn't uh, even yeah, drive there so, to be in the movie. <laughs> exactly. Let alone see it. So I'm glad she talked me into it, man, because we've been moving tickets like crazy. The tour has been really successful and I, I i kind of figured it would be because people would pay 
to watch me and Jay just sit there and talk to each other. Right. So I was like, imagine if we brought a whole movie with us. So it's like the cost of going to see Jane Song Bob get old, but you get a movie out of it as well. I'm very much so looking that, forward to this movie. I, I loved uh, Clerks, of course, but I'm nothing. There's only been two movies that have made me laugh multiple times throughout the movie. You always get a good hearty laugh out of an old school Eddie Murphy thing or something. But I mean, I consistently laugh through this movie with Jane and Silent Bob, uh, the, the, the first one. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to the reboot. It's definitely funny. I'm, I'm happy with that uh, because that's what people expect. They're coming to a Jane Son Bob sequel. So, like, if you waited uh, 18 years to do this, I, I imagine it better be funny. And it definitely is funny. But it's got this crazy heart to it, too, because the story is about him finding out he has a daughter. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, it, it takes its cues off the real-life Jay, who for the last four years has been, like, the most amazing dad I've ever seen in my life. Well, so me, it's got what, what the kid call the kids call the feels as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me ask you this here: as uh, I consider us to be somewhat, we're we're close in age. We used to both be fat, and uh, you, of course, have way more success. But we both have daughters. Now, my daughter yeah. is only six, but I follow your daughter on Instagram, and it's starting to give me pains in my side to think that my uh, daughter will be her age at one point. I don't want that. That's Jason, too. Jason's kid is four, and he, he absolutely is the best dad I've ever met in my life. I wish he had been a dad long before me because I would have learned how to do it from him, take my cues from him. But he already, she's age four, and he's already like, I don't know what I'm going to do in 10 years when she you know, starts dating. I, I don't know if I can handle this. He's gone, honestly. I might kill one of these boys. And I'm like, well, I got a kid, and that stuff just doesn't occur to you at a certain point. You know, it's like you remember that you were young once too, and you know, you raised her. And so you've been some sort of role model or whatever and whatnot. And Jason was like, think of all the stuff you did when you were a teenager. <laughs> I know, I know. So I feel bad for Logan when she hits her teenage years, but uh, Harley was great. Like, you know, she had a boyfriend like all through high school and stuff uh, for six years. And, and so she was never like a troublemaker. Um, and she hated school, so I really identified with her on that level. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, school did suck, man. <laughs> like, I remember one point, she was, like, 16 and talking about dropping out. She was one year from graduating. She's like, I, I'm, I'm going to drop out. And, you know, I was telling Jennifer, I was like, you know, she's not wrong. And Jennifer's like, you're too high. Like, she didn't <laughs> finish high school. You know, she doesn't have to go to college. And she did. She skipped college and kind of went into acting and for the first year after high school, I felt bad for her because, you know, it's a business of rejection. It's mostly no out there for an actor or an actress. But uh, she wound up getting a role in Quentin's movie, yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And, and I remember she was telling me, she's like, there's a movie that I'm really desperate to get into, and I'm doing all this research. And I said, what is it? And she says, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I was like, Quentin's movie? <laughs> Kiddo, I want to be in that movie. Like, <laughs> everyone wants to be in that movie. Like, you know, not for nothing, I tell you to shoot the moon and aim high, but aim lower on this one. <laughs> you like, don't, you you don't know, give him a you call? Can't... You don't text him and go, hey, no, my daughter's my daughter's I don't know her. him well enough. A, I don't know him well enough to do that. But B, you can't do that. Like, A, I, it, you know, it'd be weird if somebody did it to me. Like, hey, man, can you put my kid in your movie? Yeah. But B... If the kid found out that I was like, hey, man, can you put her in the movie? That'd be it. She'd write me off forever. Yeah, yeah you betrayed her on that one. Oh, you know, even though you'd think you'd be giving her what she wanted, like, that ain't how she wants it. Like, 
she wants to be chosen. Like that's, you know, I, I get that feeling. It's like, kiddo, you walk into a room, 300 other people vying for the same part. If you can walk out with it, you feel like a million bucks. I get it, of course. But like you, you're, you're my kid. And that means you don't have to wait for somebody to pick you. I didn't wait for somebody to pick me. I sat at a convenience store and said, I picked myself right. and made my slick. So you don't have to wait to be chosen. And, and, and also, you know, Quentin's movie, like Jane Fonda just said she wants to be in it. Like you can't, you can't put your expectations that high. And then she nailed it. She got it. And one yeah. day I was like, well, look at me. What do I know? Apparently, <laughs> you know, she's, she's got the stand of science. So I'm happy for her, man. Like she had her own experience without me before we went to shoot Jay and Silent Bob reboot. She went off and did Quentin's movie. But then when we got her on reboot, we got an actress, you know, like somebody came back to the day one, she was working with us. And at the end of the day, my wife goes, how'd Harley do? And I was like, I think she's doing great, but I think she's in a completely different movie. I don't think she realizes we're making a comedy. <laughs> so why? And I was like, cause she's acting all serious and like, like real, like good acting and stuff. Like we're all making a human cartoon and, She's actually pretending like Jay is her dad and stuff. And she's like, well, isn't that her job? And I was like, yeah, but like, you know, in a Quentin movie, go nuts. But this is just a dopey flick. So she <laughs> elevated the flick with her performance thanks to being in his right before ours. I love that you can call your own movie Dopey Flicks. That's what makes you great. Uh, this is Kevin Smith <laughs> joining us. Uh, Thursday, November 14th, as he pointed out, selling very well, if not almost sold out. At the uh, Tampa Theater. Great. By the way, I don't know if you've ever been there, but you're going to love it. It's a beautiful old theater. It's got incredible architecture inside. It's a great place to uh, to see a movie. Awesome, man. Uh, yeah, it's like, look, if you're asking people to come out on a specific date, because, you know, most movies come out, you do it at your leisure. You go when you want to go to the movie theater. Kevin Smith's movie demands you set aside time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you need to come to a special place to watch this stuff. So uh, I love I love the fact that we're going to be in a really nice theater. Yeah, you know, I mean, how many times are people really going to a nice theater to see a movie? I mean, you're obviously going to a multiplex and all that, but but uh, we're fortunate we have the we have the Tampa Theater here, we have the Capitol Theater in Clearwater, both places that will still show movies, you know, mostly classic movies, but uh, will still show movies. Uh, Kevin Smith is joining us. How how hard is it to keep a secret? about all these people who are making cameos and have parts in your movie. I mean, the minute that somebody saw something, it was all over the Internet, uh, Chris Hemsworth and all these other people, and then everybody was wondering whether Ben Affleck would actually come back into your life. Yeah, it, it was hard, man. Like, hard to keep it secret. Anything is hard to keep secret for me. Like, that's when people go like, oh, is this hard to do? Is this hard to do? Making movies is not hard at all. You get a lot of help and stuff, and it's fun. You make pretend for a living. The hard thing is when you know something cool and you just want to share it with everybody. Yeah. Like knowing Ben was in the movie, I so desperately wanted to like tell people the day it happened and, and stuff like that. But you, you know, you kind of sit on it knowing that like, Hey, something special happened and, and everyone will eventually find out. But like now is not the time. So you have to kind of swallow the info. In the case of Chris Hemsworth, he Instagrammed it. Like, you know, he was like, Hey man, I just shot him James Bob reboot. So I was like, Holy crap. <laughs> everybody, you know, so we got to then spill it as well. The Ben thing came together because Kevin McCarthy, he's an entertainment journalist in Washington. Um, he does like interviews on junkets and whatnot. Anytime he interviews somebody who's been in one of our movies, 
he references that movie to the person and stuff just at the beginning of the interview and usually breaks the ice, makes things warm. Right. So I've seen him do it for years. Like whenever he interviews Matt, he's like, when's Good Will Hunting 2 hunting season coming out? You know, <laughs> like, oh, I remember that joke. So he was interviewing Ben for Triple Frontier. It was a Netflix movie he great. did a couple months back. It was great. And so he's sitting there talking, and the first thing Kevin McCarthy says is, did they call you for reboot yet? They're making reboot. Did you get the call? And Ben goes, no, nobody called, and I'm available. So, you know, everyone in production, we were two weeks into the movie at this point with no intention of having Ben in the movie, and not because we're like, you know, F Ben Affleck. It's just I, I hadn't spoken to him in like eight years. No, and, and, and he was like, mad at you? I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. We still haven't even talked about it, but we just have one of those, like, lack of communications. Like, if I could trace it way back, it was probably – me telling a story that he didn't want me to tell. You know, I'm very candid. And so I always tell my own stories, but then sometimes you wind up telling somebody else's stories. Yeah. And like, I would do that with Affleck all the time. And he was low key about it for a while. But then like at one point he was just like, you know, you're, you're effing up my stuff. You, you don't realize when you tell these stories, like how it's going to affect other people and blah, blah, blah. So eventually I think, he just got to a place where he's like, it's safer not to talk to Kevin. Wow. And then time keeps going and stuff like that. So I remember like one of the last places I saw him, we didn't even talk, was at the Argo premiere. Um, like from across the room, I just kind of waved to him and stuff. So, you know, I never wanted to text him and be like, hey, are we still friends? Because it, <laughs> at least this way it was ignorance was bliss. Right. I, I was just like, well, I don't know if we're friends anymore, but if I, called up and confirmed and he was like you know what i hate your guts then you got to live with that you got to carry that cross so everyone on the production was like call him up man and i was like no that's just some nice stuff to say at the junket you don't you know what's he gonna say somebody says something about like hey you're gonna be in the guest movies you're gonna sit there and roll out the truth and be like i don't think it's safe to know kevin because he's always <laughs> telling stories and blah, blah blah it's just easier for him to be like nobody's called me and i'm available yeah, but him so throwing in the I'm by. available was the key. Saying nobody's called me is fine, but then say because that's like he's a dick. He didn't call me. But then saying I'm available is putting it out there. It just sat there for like a week in my head. And while we were still making the movie, we had one week left to production and stuff. And so I went to write this long tweet to send him. And then um, Jordan, who's our producer, Jason's wife, she was like, I was like, I'm going to send him this tweet. And she was like, well, let me read it first. And she read it. She's like, don't do this publicly. You haven't spoken to him so long. You're going to like embarrass him about this. Like, she's like, why don't you just reach out to him? Like, don't you have a number? I say, I got a bunch of old numbers, but I doubt any of them work. She's like, just try one. So I texted one of the numbers in my phone and I just wrote uh, BA question mark. And then like instantly three bubbles popped up and like Ooh. somebody writing back. And I was like, Oh my Lord, he's on his phone. And uh, he wrote, yeah, who's this? And I was like, this is Ben? And then he wrote back, this is your father. Who is this? And right then and there, like, this is your father is like a typical Affleck thing to say. So I, I said, well, maybe this conversation ends right now. I said, this KS. And there's a long beat. And he writes, Kevin? With a question mark? And he goes, how are you? You know how many girls' initials he went through first before he got to Kevin Smith? <laughs> No doubt, I'm sure. It was just like, all right, Kelly, wait, all the days in my world. Katie. And here, here he's getting a, a, a booty call from somebody, <laughs> the last guy in the world you want a booty call from. 
So, you know, I, I, uh, I said, hey, man, here, I was just about to tweet this to you. And I texted to him. And I'd written this thing where I said, uh, we're all having a blast here in the past, man, down in New Orleans. Wish you were here. And I said, but ever since the heart attack, I don't wish for anything anymore. I just asked. So I was like, would you come down and play with us? I know it's been a while, but, like, we're having, like, a great time. And I said, to paraphrase, you know, King Osric from Conan the Barbarian, there comes a time, you know, when uh, the jewels cease to sparkle and the gold loses its luster and the throne room becomes a prison and all an old man wants is to make pretend with his old actors and stuff like that. So uh, I sent that. And I, and I waited, and I was terrified because, I, you know, I thought, oh, my God, I haven't spoken to him in a long time. You might read this and just be like, this is a little too deep, too early for me. No, thanks. <laughs> but instead, he wrote back to, like, most Ben thing ever. He wrote back, of course you still think of yourself as a king. <laughs> and, uh, and then he said, I would love to come play. So he came down and joined us. He flew down to New Orleans to, like, shoot his scene on the last day of the movie and you know not only did we get a tremendous scene like ben's scene is is phenomenal like it's it's beautiful it's funny it comes at the right time in the movie it's just one of my favorite scenes i've ever committed to film and we went into production without it it didn't exist it's not like right you know, somebody else is going to do that role like because he was willing to join the movie i got to write like an incredible scene an eight minute sequel to chasing Amy that's hidden in the middle of Jane Silent Bob reboot and stuff. So that was great for the movie. But more importantly, Kevin McCarthy asking that dude, that dopey question going like, Hey man, if they called you about reboot, yeah. literally gave me my friend back that, after I, years. That's a great story. That's a one Ben story you should still tell. Yes. <laughs> Good point. Here I am doing it again. I'm like, I don't know why he didn't Let me tell you an incredibly intimate story about my friend. I love him. Yeah, that's my story, though. That happened to me. I don't know him uh, at all, but I think he is a, a great actor. I think he's, I thought he was a good Batman. I liked the, the choice when they picked him. But one of the things I feel like, I mean, Damon kills in Goodwill Hunting, but the the role that, that Ben Affleck plays in that movie is so underappreciated. I could watch that oh, anytime it's on. He is so goddamn funny and good in that movie. And uh, I don't know how many times I'm running around yelling at people, you suspect. Uh, he's just, yeah, he's, he's great. Suspect. And then, and his brother has one of the best scenes in that movie. Well, you, you were going to kick his ass. You could have did it before. Now we got snacks. I love <laughs> yeah, that. We got some, what are you going to do that for? We got snacks now. Snacks now. Um, he, uh, yeah, man, he, Ben and Goodwill Hunting, like when people think about, it, of course they think about Matt. And Matt's wonderful in the movie, but Ben has the big cry moment. Yeah, Ben has that monologue where he's like, "Every day I come to your house, and for a minute before you answer the door, and you're not that. I think you left, and I'm happy because you're gone. You don't belong here with right. us." And blah blah blah. And then they pay it off at the end of the movie. You know, Ben goes to pick up Matt and knocks on the door and he's not there. And then you could see the like realization on Ben's face. So like, Oh, he did it. He left yep. and he gets happy. And then he turns around to his friends. Like, I don't know. He's got <laughs> beautiful, beautiful moment that like makes you cry when you watch that movie and it belongs to Affleck. He sells it. That was my favorite moment in the script. When I read it, I read that script on a toilet. Affleck sent it to me and he goes, um, we, you know, they'd sell, sold it to Castle Rock in 1995. The day I met him, for auditions on Mallrats, they had just announced in Variety that, like, two actors stole a script to Castle Rock. So two years later, 
they still hadn't made the movie. Actually, one year later, they still hadn't made the movie. And Ben called me up one day to be like, um, hey, man, we've done Chase Gamby. He's like, hey, you know the Miramax people. I was like, yeah. He's gone. we've got one a window. Castle Rock, you know, said that we could take the movie out and try to sell it elsewhere because they had reached an impasse. Ben and Matt had director agreement on the script and they wouldn't approve any of the, the directors that Castle Rock had brought to them and stuff. They wanted Gus Van Sant. So I guess Castle Rock got frustrated and said, look, if you could take the script out, if you could sell it, great. If not, it comes back here. You guys are no longer attached, and uh, Leo and Toby will play your part. Oh, wow. And so uh, he called me up, and he goes, you know the Miramax people, man. Is there any chance they buy Goodwill Hunting? And I was like, well, what did you guys sell it for? And he's like, it was a spec script that we got 800000 for. And I was like, well, with turnaround costs, you're talking about a million-dollar script. I, I don't know if they'll do it. I said, but send it send it to me. Let me read it. I've never read it. So he FedExed me the script because there was no real Internet in those days. And, right. stuff. and uh, you know, I got it and then took it to the bathroom to read. Like, I was going to the bathroom. I was going to start reading the script. And then I didn't get up. I stayed on the toilet for, like, two hours. Got so you, piles. And so stuff. your butt fell asleep? There. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. To the point in the legs, too. When I got up, I could barely stand. Yeah. And I could barely stand because I was so emotional as well. Like, I was crying on the toilet reading the script. <laughs> so I called up Miramax, and I was like, I know this is going to sound weird, but, like, my friends wrote a great script that could literally, like, win awards, I think. And you guys got to read this fast. So they did, and they went for it and picked it up and, and uh, paid for the turnaround costs and everything. And me and Scott got to be, like, co-executive producers on the movie. But... Reading that script, that scene, like even when I was just describing it before, still chokes me up. It's really beautiful writing. That's awesome. I, I, I love that movie. I think that movie's great, I, as do, do most people, but I've seen it so many times that I could pick apart the other the other portions. This is Kevin Smith on the phone with us. Kevin has uh, Jay and Silent Bob's reboot, which is coming out, and it is available. Uh, it'll be here in November, November 14th, at the Tampa Theater uh, tickets are going super fast. If you didn't get them, I would do that today. Kevin, I have a non-movie question. Have you tried the Impossible uh, Whopper? Um, not the Impossible Whopper, but I've definitely had an Impossible Burger. Right, I know. I know that. Yeah, because we talked about that last time. That you have, you got to try the Impossible Whopper. It's pretty good. I mean, obviously. Now, are they putting vegan cheese on it? No. If you're vegan, you're probably not going to want to eat it. If you're vegetarian, I mean, you can do it. Because they are that cooking it on always, the, uh, they're cooking it on the thing with the chicken and the beef and doing all that. Oh, really? So it's not like vegans, you're welcome. No, we're like, hey, anybody who's into a meat alternative, come on, try it here. Right. Yeah, right. I, I've been to a couple burger places that aren't like vegan or vegetarian, just like real burger places that also serve an Impossible and or a Beyond Burger, mm -hmm. and so weird to me when they're like you want cheese on that and i'm like well is it vegan cheese and they're like no of course not and i'm like why would i put real cheese on a fake burger like right. that makes no sense to me and stuff but not like you said not everyone's vegan some people are just vegetarian some people are just like oh i'll try it see what it's like but i'm glad that it exists out there and i read a story yesterday about how both beyond burger and impossible burger are vying for mcdonald's that's the big game wow. whoever gets that oh, account boy. is yeah. going to be a billionaire or something but i'm I'm a fan of both, and I'm not trying to convince anybody. I hate, I love being vegan. It's tough talking about it because you trigger people. People hear you're vegan. They're like, now I'm eating three times as much meat. Gets <laughs> like, this ain't about you. I'm not saying you should be vegan, too. But as a guy who's enjoyed both an Impossible Burger and a Beyond Burger, 
I got to tell you, like, I don't miss having a hamburger. You know, these are tasty without putting anything on them and stuff. There's a big difference I always found between the two. Every Sunday I smoke a brisket. I'm a big green egg. Just putting that out there for you guys. Mm-hmm. If you ever is that around. a? Is, would that be a vegan brisket? Or is it made from Titan or something? It's something like so it? you can actually still hear it moving as I'm pushing it onto the grill. <laughs> still uh, hear it moving. Uh, Kevin Smith, I have I have a couple of quick things for you. One, when does the uh, when does the um, Gilroy movie come out? Gilroy. Um, now that we we, we uh, worked on Gilroy and then we put it aside because reboot happened and stuff. But I saw I was working on a cut of Gilroy before we headed into reboot. I was almost done. Then gave it to the folks in Florida to finish up, put in temp effects and okay. temp music. And so after reboot, they sent me a cut to watch, and it's good, man. Like I'm delighted. I'm not surprised because I think we all tried, but it turned into something really, really cool. So um, I, I'm doing a, a pass on this cut where I'm just going to take out like five minutes, just to take the air out of it, uh, and then the next thing it'll do is go through an effects pass where. You know, uh, his mask looks great. Bob Kurtzman did the design of Kilroy. But we can make it look wet and creepy with a pass on visual effects. So, yeah, it's turning out really well. Man. So I'm funny. With it. And yeah, everything Chris I've learned. Jericho, as you mentioned, he was there that night. We shot with Chris Jericho. Jericho came out for reboot as well and plays another deplorable human being, like just somebody who's a bad character in a movie or something like that, whereas he's such a nice guy he's in great. real life. He's super sweet and Canadian. Yeah, he's he's a great dude. Uh, I, every, I have to point out that everything I've learned about the movie business, how it really works, I've learned from Kevin Smith interviews and Entourage episodes. That's exactly what I know, <laughs> I know about Hollywood. You're ready. Uh, and then the, the uh, what is next now? What is, after Jay and Silent Bob is done, what is the next project that you see that you're eyeing? Uh, I'm not sure there's like a bunch of stuff like there's a we've been involved in these uh, TV shows that haven't been announced yet. A few have like working on Howard the Duck um, for Marvel and Hulu. And then this weekend we just announced at PowerCon, which is the big He-Man convention, that we're bringing back He-Man on a Netflix show. So Mattel and Netflix hired me to run the new He-Man. And um, so I'll probably wind up. Well, I mean, honestly, we're almost done with that. Like I handed in my first script and then the rest of the writers start handing in scripts like if we get another one today but then once we're all done with the package which is all the scripts and all the records then it goes to powerhouse animation we don't see it for a year while they animate the entire series will that be so like the be old minute. series will it follow the adam story and the power Grace yeah story? we're literally we're literally picking up where the class what we call the classic era left off so you know some people we, we finish storylines from the show and people are like that show didn't have a mythology it was just standalone episodes but anybody that knows the show knows that's not true there was actually a lot of connected material um and some mysteries that they never solved and that's what we're kind of teeing off from so the idea is this is the very next episode like you know they that show ran for three years um ours picks up exactly where it left off and we're trying to do like the story you wanted to see when you were a kid watching He-Man the Masters of the Universe going like, I wish they would do this. Why are Skeletor so incompetent? Well, maybe as a kid you didn't say incompetent. <laughs> but, like, we're, we're, you know, we get to do sword fights, which is something they really didn't do. We get to bring more action to it. But it's not like we're reinventing the wheel. It is exactly He-Man as you remember. It. He-Man left an impact on us, so I, that's going to be good. All right, and finally, when I saw you out in Sarasota, I was interviewing you, and I brought something up. About this pain in the ass filmmaker we have here at the radio station who wanted to make an independent movie, and he called it WDED, which was about zombies taking over the radio station. I go, isn't that the dumbest thing you ever heard? And you said, no, 
You should encourage him to do idea. it. It's a great idea. Yeah. Use what you have, the radio station. So sure enough, we did the movie, and because you suggested it, I, I did my uh, small part in the movie, and I have seen uh, some of the edits, and the goddamn thing looks pretty good. Right? Yeah. I, I, I mean, think about it. Like, every anybody can make a movie, dude, especially now. You grow up watching them. You see them all the time. And, you know, it, when you see something, you could be something. And that's how you figure stuff out. Like, it's not like Quentin Tarantino came out of the womb knowing how to put together or compose a beautiful shot. He watched a bunch of movies. Yeah. And so if you've spent your life watching movies and you go, like, I think I could do it, I guarantee you, 100%, you can do it. It is not impossible. All of us who make movies, we're human beings as well. We're cut from the same cloth. So when you told me that idea, I was like, that's a no-brainer. Number one, you got access to the studio, which gives you production value, which gives you a background to your entire story. Number two, you're doing it with friends. So you're not sitting there where one person is more professional than the others and making everybody else feel amateurish. You guys don't know what you're doing. Instead, you're all on the same learning curve together. Number three, it's like Little Rascals, man. Whenever you used to watch that, and you're like, damn. Like, they put on a whole show every week for their friends, and, and it just looks amazing. You know, they're the kings of their community. So That's it right. is like getting to be a Little Rascal. It's like getting to be Spanky or Alfalfa <laughs> when you're making your own flick. And I honestly believe it's no hype. Anybody can do that. As long as you got the, the an equipment, a camera, you don't even need a lot of money, man. That's what this, Clerks is all about. This guy had a, we had a camera crew. We had some of the people that were on the Sarasota set were working down here. We had a, a girl that had one of those little slate things. That's official. When you got a slate, that's a movie. And a, a yeah, makeup when artist. A yeah. Yes. So, it's uh, all real, man. It's, that's how, but you got to remember, like you, you and I spoke or speak or have spoken ever since I've had a career. But, like, you know, there was a time where I didn't have a career. And mm. I was a person just like you guys who was like, maybe I can make something, you know. And I kind of made use of what I had around me. I heard an interview that Robert Rodriguez had done on the radio where he talked about, like, when I made El Mariachi, I just kind of took inventory of what I had in my life. He's like, I had a guitar case. I knew I had access to a bus. I and I knew I had access to a, a turtle. So I wrote all <laughs> that stuff like into the movie. And I was like, that's a good idea. And I was sitting in the convenience store. I was like, what do I have to write about? And then the same thing here is somebody sitting in a radio station going like, what do I have mm -hmm. to write about? And realize that they've got access to something to tell an interesting, exciting or unseen story. That makes me so happy. Well, I, I have to, it was way better than I ever thought it was going to be. If, if the trailer is done before November 14th, can we show the trailer before the uh, Jalen and Silent Bob reboot? I would do that in a heartbeat. Are you man. serious? In, uh, of course. Like, look, we're, it's a movie theater experience. And, and that's one thing we don't really have at the front of our movie is trailers for anything else. So if, that, particularly down there where, you know, this is relevant to your interest, Tampa. Like, that's <laughs> easy to put up on the big screen. Well, that'd be hilarious. Listen, I love talking to you. I feel like I, feel like I always felt like we were old friends. And when you start talking about... He Man and that whole era. We were both just two fat, lonely kids in the Northeast trying to figure out what we were going to do in our lives. I'm so glad you're so successful. Uh, Tampa Theater, November 14th, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot Roadshow. You'll get to see the movie and you'll get a Q&A with Jay and uh, Silent Bob, Silent Bob, Jay and Kevin. Uh, and I, I, I don't want to see any of the movie until I see the movie. I think that it's going to be filled with surprises and funny stuff. And I'm really, as a fan of your movies, I'm really looking forward to it. 
Come see us uh, that night, man. Come watch the flick with us that night. That, that'll be the best way to see it with a bunch of people who are like, I like these goofy flicks. You know, sometimes you go to a movie theater, you got people in the room who are like, I saw a trailer. This could be good. Yeah. But it, when you're asking people like, hey, you want to pay 40 bucks to come see a movie? You know who's coming? People that really like that movie to begin with. <laughs> um, I, uh, you've done us enough favors. You put us in the movie. You did all that stuff. So I'm not asking you to do this. I'm just going to let you know it's available. If you guys come in from Orlando and decide you want to come in the uh, next morning and do the show on Thursday, you're certainly more than welcome to, but I know your mom is I there. Would absolutely, I, w- I would do that. I'll, I'll probably drive down after the Orlando show. Because um, it's only like what two hours away? Or Not even. Like it really is about an hour and twenty minutes. So I'll probably stay in Tampa that night, so I can get up in the morning and go right to the show. Well, we'll we'll talk to you when it gets Your closer. Show. But you know that uh, you're always welcome, and at the same time, if you're like hell no, this guy needs to sleep, uh, then you then you sleep. No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be like, hey man, I'll be there, and then I'm going to send my crew without me. <laughs> what a dick that's great you are the absolute best my man i look forward to seeing you in november right on man thanks mike bye everybody see you pal see you. there you go <laughs> what a great callback <laughs> is mo not pleasuring himself right now listening to the show i mean first of all i got kevin smith to comment on his movie before he made it mm-hmm. i actually agreed to be in the movie mm-hmm. and now i've got the trailer to be shown before jay and silent bob reboot i really would like a percentage of the profit yeah i mean if you get 50 percent of the profits that's like eight or nine dollars yeah. that you'll uh Want it all. yeah Want it all. Nice. so mo is texting me the entire time trying to get me to crowbar oh, really crowbar did uh, and i still did you didn't say a word to me hold on i'm gonna read it in mo's voice um. Yeah. Ahem. Mention 